speak today, um, pastor's wife, but I am still a mother. Um, my heart is on my kids. So my mind's like, what are my kids? <laughs> what girls? So, you know, um, and that's where it should be. Um, you know, as a pastor's wife, I sit up front and I, I listen to the word and I enjoy sitting. <laughs> and so occasionally I come up and I speak. And so today is that day. And, um, you know, just bear with me. And I, I pray we have a good time in the word of God. You know, um, learn of the word, enjoy the word. Um, we're going to have a good time. So what I'm going to be talking about is what is truth? So when you're watching the commercials that are coming on and this person is saying something about that person, he's like, oh, that happened? And then the next person says the same thing about another person. You're like, well, who's telling the truth with the elections? I, I don't know. Uh, who's real? Who's fake? And, and it's hard to tell. Um, and propaganda is spreading of ideas, information, rumor for the purpose of helping and injuring um, a cause or a person. Propaganda. And it's kind of like what happened with Jesus. They spread what? Rumors about him. He only did what? Good. He went about doing what? Good. He only did what? What the Father told him to do. But still, rumors were being said about him. And those rumors, you know, led him to the cross. And they weren't true. Accusations were made. So let's turn to John. The book of John. to have fun. I'm going to tell you that. Tonight we're going to have fun. So just get excited. It's, it's fun to learn about God's Word. It's not boring. It never has been boring for me. You know, I, one thing I think of, I, I thank my father for is like when I would get into it with my brother, he would say, go read your Bible. <laughs> I was like, well, he did this, go read your Bible. I was like, all right, Dad. And he'd go, put me in front of the Bible. And that was just a good thing. And I never realized it. It transform, transform, transforms your mind. It changes your mind uh, when you read the Word of God. There's something supernatural about sitting down and reading the Word that we should do more of it. And Amen. it would help us more. Alright, so we're going to go to um, John 18. And we're going to start um, at verse 19. John chapter 18. And we're going to start at verse 19. And please excuse me, I have been dealing with a little bit of cold, and I was telling Pastor Rasan, I don't know how he's been getting up here speaking and not feeling well. Because this is a challenge. You don't feel well, you want to do what? Stay in the bed. You don't want to get up here and speak. So John 18 and uh, 19 says, The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world, and I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple." Where the Jews always meet. In secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why did you strike me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood, warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Which is what? A lie. Not the truth. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to Praetorium, and, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to him, 
You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of the Jews might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by which death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Let's read that again. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Pilate found no fault in Jesus, but still he didn't release Jesus. He heard the truth, but he didn't follow the truth. The truth was right there before him. And we don't want to be like that, that we hear the truth, but we don't follow it. Amen? Amen. So everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. So God is speaking, and if if the truth is in us, we will hear the voice of God. The word of God is truth. I believe it is. From Genesis to Revelation. I don't believe not one part of it is not significant. I believe from Genesis to Revelation that all of it is truth. As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So you got to settle that fact. You got you to settle that. You got to settle that this is the word of God. And you have to get to that place that you know that God's word is this. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's John 17 and 17. Sanctify. Sanctify means set them apart. Set them apart. How do we know how to do different things than what the world is doing? How do we know how to do different than what the world is doing? Through the word of God. The word of God sets us apart. I, I recently saw this um, a young lady. She was married. Her husband, um, I think he... He became paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair. Uh, I don't know if he fell off or something. I think it was from neck down, paralyzed. So she was young when she got married, so she decided, okay, I'm going to remarry someone else, but I'm going to keep him in the house, and I'll take care of him, but to take care of my needs, I'm going to get another husband. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that. My husband's been sick. You know, I can't say, okay, Rasan, I know you're sick. I'm going to go get me another husband. <laughs> Again, the word of God doesn't allow us to do things like that. We use the, the word as a litmus test. The word tells us what we can and cannot do. And we can't get away from reading the word. Knowing the word of God and living by the word of God sets us apart from the world. Let's turn to Leviticus. We can't forget the Old Testament. We can't just stay in the New Testament. Amen? Amen. We can't. Leviticus 20. Alright, it's Leviticus chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. 
and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, didn't I just talk about that word sanctify, right? And that means set apart or declare holy, consecrate. Amen? Amen. For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and adulteress shall surely be put to death. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. There shall, their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall be surely put to death. They, shall, they have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with a man as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man marries a woman and her mother, and it is if a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches an animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal, and they shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's the word of God. We're not putting people to death. Why? Because Jesus mm -hmm. died for what? The world. Yeah. He died on that cross. He died on that cross. He was beat. He was tortured. I was telling my husband, I just read, was reading the scriptures and getting into the word. And I was like, did you know they blindfolded Jesus? He's like, yeah, I knew. I'm like literally torture. Like you blindfold someone and you're torturing them. He did all of that for us. So that if you want to do all these things, these crazy things that I just read about, you know, there's no grabbing you and you being put to death. But there's still a penalty for sin. So don't think that you can continue to do these things and it's okay. No. You need to know that God has said these things are wrong. I don't want you doing these things. And it's here in the Bible. Jesus has took all the sins from us. He took our sins on the cross. If it wasn't for him, you know, there would be death for these situations that we have we find ourselves in. But we have to read our Bibles to know what's right and wrong. If you don't read your Bible, then you don't know. The scripture says in John 8, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, abide means to remain and stay, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide, you have to abide in the word. You have to abide. You have to put the word inside of you. I have two containers up here. What's in these containers? What's in these containers, guys? Lotion. You don't know? I don't know. I'm guessing. I bet it's lotion. <laughs> Say lotion. But what's in this container is whatever I put in this container. It's true. So, Luke is right. <laughs> this one is lotion. This is lotion. But it's whatever I put in it. This one is a Christian container. <laughs> nothing. And you don't want to be that Christian that has nothing in you. Amen. Nothing. 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 Social, me social media. So over 210 million people worldwide suffer from social media addiction. What are they putting in them? Nothing. Social media. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Utah, YouTube. They're just putting those things in. They're not putting the word in them. On average, teenagers spend eight hours on screen. And CDC reports from age 8 to 10 years old, 6 hours. 11 to 14 years old, 9 hours. 15 to 18, 7 hours. They're estimating, again, that teens spend at least 9 hours. Now, now not to just mess with the teens. The older generation spends most of the time glued to the television. 
of those between the age 55 and 64 watch television all day. <laughs> yeah, we grew up on the television. We didn't grow up on the screens. And so the television could just be playing. You don't even know what it's talking about. You just want that noise going in the house. I do that. <laughs> don't even know. I'm not even watching it, but it's just on. And so the average person watches more than 141 hours of TV per month. And that's 1,692 hours per year. Um, assuming that you reach the average U.S. life expectancy of 78, that's about 15 years of your life. 15 years of your life watching television. Now, I think about it. 15 years of your life watching television. And God forbid you go to hell, and you're there, and you're like, oh my God, can I just do this over again? Can I have more time? You wasted 15 years. You wasted 15 years. You're not getting it back. But that's that's our time wasters. It is a time waster. We do not think about time in that way. Especially when we're young, we don't think about time like we think we have forever. But when you realize how short it is, you want that time back. As you get older, you start saying, oh, wait, where, where, where have I placed my time? Then you start thinking about these things. So, pornography. Do you know um, the Common Sense Media Survey found that average kids were exposed to pornography 12 years of age? 12 years old, they've been exposed. About 41% received online pornography or seen it while at school. 15% have seen it at 10 or younger. And most of them see this um, information accidentally. They're not even trying to look for it. Satan just has it set up on those screens. He just has it popping in on there. So if you're not getting the word of God in you, and you're putting all of that stuff inside of you, so that's what's in you. You don't even know that some of the things that you see is wrong. So how do we know that things are wrong? From reading the word of God. And if you're not reading the word, you don't know. They don't know. They don't know that things are wrong, that the contents that they see. I, I was young. I was, um, my aunt, she told me to go get something out of the car. And I went to get it, and a dirty magazine fell down. Those images hit my head as a little kid, and I went running to my mom. And she said, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, what was that? Forever messes your mind up, you know. And, and she had to calm me down from it. She said, well, don't go on a car anymore. I said, I won't be going in there anymore. And But these kids are being exposed, and they don't know anything about it. But to be separated, we, we pay a price. To, to pull away from the world, there is a price that we pay. Because we're not going to fit in with the norm of what everybody else is doing. So we're going to be different. Joshua 1 and 8 says, the book of, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we have to study the word of God so that our way will be prosperous. We have to meditate in it day and night. We have to meditate. We have to meditate. God knew that we were these computers. <laughs> That whatever is downloaded in us, that's what we become. He created us, so he knew that. So whatever you put inside of you, whatever you put in there, that's what's going to come out. You put pornography in there, that's going to come out of you. You put social media in you, that's what's going to come out of you. You put the word of God in you, that's what's going to come out of you. Amen? 4% of gamers are currently addicted to playing video games. Playing video games. So this is new terminology, um, um, uh, Terranian, and they say they're non-human. There are people who are now saying they're non-human. So I just read y'all a passage that talked about don't mate with animals. And you probably, oh, why would you be? That's where we're coming to. But God knew from the beginning. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. Nothing new. 
there it is in the scripture, and it's telling us, hey, no, we don't do these things. We don't behave in those manners. And so this Turanian <laughs> identity is that you are um, a non-fictional character, you're an animal, but we pray for them. <laughs> we pray for them because they know no better. Whatever has been put inside of them is what's coming out of them. And so we pray for them. But what we have to realize is God does not lie. He doesn't lie. Um, you don't have to, you can write it down. Titus 1 and 2 says, and in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie. If God says there's going to be a blue monkey outside the door, because he said it, a blue monkey's going to be outside the door. <laughs> so he can speak it into existence. So whatever he says is what he speaks. He doesn't lie. But on the other hand, Satan lies. John 8 and 44, you can turn there. John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan deceived the nations. He is deceiving the nations. And the only way that we can escape, escape from this deception is by studying our word and praying. What's this?
sheep's clothing. And how do we know the difference? By the word of God. It has to line up. Amen. A prophet that says something is going to come to pass and it doesn't come to pass, that's a false prophet. <clears throat> it's just that simple. That's, that's how in the old days, that's how it was. And so back in the old days, it was listening to a prophet. Not the word of God so much like how we have it. And still we have prophets, and I'm not going to say that we don't. But let's turn there. Let's, let's look at how things took place. <clears throat> I want you to turn to 1 Kings. Alright, I'm going to set this story up because I want you to read 1 Kings on your own. And, and I'm telling you, if you ever want to enjoy the Bible... If you read 1 Kings, I think you will really just have a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, wonderful stories. And I believe every bit of it. So Ahab was a wicked king. Ahab was a wicked king. He reigned in Israel, um, Samaria, for 22 years. Ahab, um, he did wicked things. And Elijah would come and, and tell him, you know, hey, you need to get it together um, and stop doing the things that you're doing. Stop worshiping Baal. Stop um, making sacrifices to another god. And he continued to do what he was going to do. There was a famine that took place, and some of y'all may know these stories. And um, it was like three years, no rain, no dew. And um, Elijah was kind of hidden couldn't be found, and then he went to uh, a widow's. He, he was at her house for a while, helped her, and then her son um, got sick and, and passed away. He prayed over him. He came back to life. And then Elijah just shows back up on the scene. And he tells um, Abinadad to, um, let me see if I'm saying the name, name right. Elijah, he shows back up, and he tells um one of the prophets to go tell uh, Ahab, I'm back. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Because when I go to tell him, you're going to disappear again. And he may very well kill me. <laughs> so talking to these kings is not as easy as it may seem. You have to have some boldness because you realize that they can kill you right on the spot. So to be a prophet and to stand up and say something um, to them, you have to be bold and know that God sent you definitely before you go. And this uh, prophet um, that I'm talking about, he was actually putting aside some of the um, prophets and protecting them by putting them in caves. He put 50 in one cave, 50 in another cave, and protecting them from um, Ahab because Ahab was a wicked king. And so Ahab was married to Jezebel, and I know everybody knows Jezebel, right? And Jezebel did some wicked things. Um, and so because she served Baal, it caused um, Ahab to follow and suit. Can I have someone to come up front? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Come on. <laughs> All right. You're going to stand on this side. Just come right on this okay. side. And we want to join arms here together. Alright, so, now, I want you to go to the right, and I'm going to go to the left. <laughs> okay, so this is how it is when you marry something that is opposite. If I'm trying to serve God, and she's trying to serve Baal, so eventually, somebody's going to win. Somebody got to win. Somebody got to give. So, I'm going to stop with God. I'm going with Baal. So this is what God does not want. And this is bad company corrupts good character too. You don't want to align yourself with someone that's going opposite of God. I'm going I'm to go into that scripture now. And you can see someone's going to be pulled. And it's, this tug of war is going to continue until one breaks. And that's why we can't align ourselves with just anybody. Amen. 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 So let's go straight into that. Um, I think um, I don't, I want you to spend time in studying 1 Kings. This is your assignment. This is your homework. 
um, that you take your time and study, because I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to be able to go through all of these scriptures and explain everything that went on. Um, but it, it was, it was some things that were quite um, amazing that took place. As I mentioned, um, Elijah told Ahab, um, there will be no rain for three years, and there was no rain, no dew. And Abinadab, he feared God, and he hid the 50 prophets, as I mentioned. Um, and then there was this battle that took place, and everybody know about the battle where um, um, Elijah says, hey, you bring your prophets, I bring my prophets. And he tells them, hey, call out to your God, maybe he's asleep, you know. Why don't you cut yourself? So cutting, cutting was going on back in those days. They were cutting themselves to their gods. You know, we don't cut. We don't cut on our bodies. We don't make markings on our bodies. Why? Jesus has made all, all that we need. All the sacrifices have been done through Jesus, so there's no cutting. But they were cutting themselves and trying to get attention from their God. And they continued, and they continued late into the evening. And then finally then um, Elijah goes up, and he goes and he puts uh, water on his um, area that he's going to make the sacrifice in. And he pours water around a trench, and still God's fire comes down. And then they recognize that Elijah's God is God. Elijah's God is God. And then they killed all of um, the Baal prophets. But Jezebel was very angry. She was angry with this, and then she got Elijah scared, and Elijah takes off running. And then I want you guys to turn to... Start. Uh, we're going to start. Let's go to First Kings twenty one. And then the next thing that um, Ahab does is that he wants a piece of property from Nabal, and he he's crying about a property that he didn't get, and so he tells his wife about it, he's not eating, and then she says, hey, you know, why are you so upset about this property? And he's like, yeah, I wanted this property, I wanted a vegetable garden. <laughs> so he's just going to take stuff, he was selfish king. And so, um, and this is, I'm going to read this, and I'm not, I'm going to have you guys, like I said, I want you to read First Kings as a homework assignment, and then um, Jezebel wrote a false statement to proclaim a, a uh, fast and set Naboth with high honor among the people and set two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king, then take him out, stone him, that he may die. So Naboth was killed. So then we move on down. We move into the next part of the story. And now we're in 1 Kings, and we're in chapter 21, and I'm going to start at 25. But, but there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And that's what I was trying to paint this picture, to try to let you guys know the amount of wickedness that Ahab has done in the past. Because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up, and he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Ammonites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. So because of all the evil that um, Ahab had done, Elijah came and gave him a proclamation about what's going to happen to him. And if you move back up, and it's in, um, we're going to go up to verse 19. You shall speak to them, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to them, saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So he came and he told him, for all the things that you've done, you know, you're going to die, and you're going to die, and just like you killed Naboth, you're going to be dead too, and dogs are going to lick your blood. So then Ahab 
decides to repent, to go in sackcloth and begin to mourn and ask for repentance. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishabite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. Amen. And then we're going to keep going now. We're not done. I just want it because I couldn't do all the first kings. I want that as a homework assignment. I'm telling you, if you read the word, you will enjoy reading it. Now, we're going to go to verse um, chapter 22. Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth and Gilgah is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight Ramoth, Gilgah, Gil Gilgad? And then, will you go and fight Ramoth of Gilgad? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire the word of the Lord today. Now remember what Joan and I just did. Let's go back. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. I am as you are, my people as your people. My horses as your horses. Why is he aligning with someone wicked? Why is he aligning with someone wicked? Why? And then Jehoshaphat says to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Now he knows enough to inquire of the word of the Lord. But before he went to inquire of the word of the Lord, he shouldn't even be in aligning. Don't align yourself. Because just like how you saw with Joan and I, you're going to go. You're going to be pulled. Then the king of Israel, verse 6, then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together about 400 men and said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilgad to fight or shall I refrain? So 400 men and said to them, shall I go to Gilmoth Gilgad to fight or shall I restrain? So they said, go up. For the Lord was delivered into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that I may inquire of him? Well, you just got 400 prophets. Why do you need another prophet? Why? Because in his spirit he knew that there was more. Is there another prophet? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There still is one, Micaiah, the son of Amalai, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. The king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Emeli, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, set each set each on his throne at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets and the prophecies before them. Now, Zedekiah, the son of Hishkaniah, had made horns on his iron for himself and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these you shall gorge the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up the Ramah, Gilgad, and prosper. For the Lord would deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now, listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Now that's bravery. Because whatever the Lord says, that's what I will speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up and war against Ramoth or Gilgad, or shall we restrain? And he answered him, go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver into the hand of the king. That's being facetious. That's like, I don't want to be bothered with you. Okay, go. Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So the king said to him, 
How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his own house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by, and his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up? And he may fall at Ramoth Gilgal. And one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came before and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all those prophets of yours. Now, can y'all imagine? A lying spirit in the prophets. So if you look to man, if you look to pastor, oh, I'm my pastor, you can very well fall. A lying spirit is placed inside of the prophets. So what do you have to know? You have to know the word of God. That's right. Just how Pastor Rasan just recently preached and saying, hey, we can't put our focus in on even on the pastors. You have to know God. The Lord has declared um, disaster against you. And Zedekiah, the son of Hashaniah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Why did you, why, which way did the spirit from the Lord go? For me to speak to you. Now remember, we remember somebody hit Jesus in the face. And here again, someone hit a prophet in the face. Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So when you go to hide, you will know. So when a prophet speaks something and it doesn't come to pass, then you know that that's a false prophet. But Micaiah is saying, You're going to know. I'm telling you what's going to come to pass. And you're going to be running and hiding. Amen? Amen? So the king of Israel said, Micaiah, take Micaiah and turn him to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, put this fellow in prison. Feed him the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. So 400 prophets saying one thing and one person saying completely opposite. This is a lonely walk, people. This is a lonely walk. And sometimes it's not, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow. That leads to God. Broad. You got all these people going one way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it lining up with the word of God? Is it lining up with the word of God? So back to the story with Joan and I. So Jehoshaphat. And Ahab, so Jehoshaphat lines up with Ahab, and he goes to battle with him. Um, Ahab talks to Jehoshaphat and said, listen, let me tell you what, this is what I'm going to do. You don't, you put on the royal garment, you, you dress up, and I'm going to dress like one of the common people, we're going to go to battle together. <laughs> and so this guy, Jehoshaphat, says, okay, I'll do that. So he puts on the royal garment. They go out to battle. And when they're fighting the Syrians, the Syrians see him in that royal uh, array. And they say, hey, let's not go after the small people. Let's go after the big people. Let's go after the king. So they see him all dressed up. And they go after him. And he starts screaming, oh, wait, wait, no, no, I'm not the king. I'm not the king. <laughs> and so they stop. And they, they turn around. And they turn around. And someone shoots an arrow. Just aimlessly shoots an arrow, and it hits Ahab right in between his, his um, uh, armor, and it kills him. And then he bleeds out in his chariot just the way um, Elijah said he would. And he says, hey, I'm wounded, take me back. And they hold him up, and he just blood is just pouring out of him. But when you read these stories, 
God puts it in your mind. And that's where my mind was going. He wakes me up with it. I'm seeing it. I'm like I'm there. I'm back in time. And that's what God wanted. But we're supposed to put the word of God in our mind more than the things of this world. Amen. More than Fox News. Amen. You put Fox News in you, that's what's going to come out of you. If I put the word of God in me, that's what's going to come out of me. Amen? Amen? And God has set this thing up so that we have the word there. So even though Jehoshaphat did all what he did, he repented and God slowed down. He went in Ashcroft and he said, okay, well, this calamity will fall on your son. But he still died the way the prophet said he would die. And Ahab was such a selfish person, if you read it, you know, that you want a, a, a garden and you kill somebody for it. I mean, each time fighting for land and, and, and wanting land. But when we talk about armor, and I'm coming to an end now, when we talk about armor, and I told you about Jehoshaphat, and I talked about uh, Ahab, and Ahab um, putting on the garment of the servants, we have to put on our armor as well. Every day. Every day we have to put on our armor. So turn to Ephesians, and, and this is where I'm ending. Ephesians 6. We have to read our Bibles. We have to read our Bibles. We have to. We have to study the Bible. We have to know um, what thus saith the Word of God. How do you know the Spirit? You try the Spirit by what? By the Word of God. So Ephesians 6. We start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of witness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And haven't done all to stand. And I, I wrestle because I meditate on the word evil day. It's like, okay, what's the evil day? You know, I think every day on this earth is evil day. So you need to be putting your armor on every day. You need to put it on every day. There are times when I want to not have it on. I just want to veg out. You know, and, and that very much could be the vegging out when you, you know, um, social media, video game, vegging out. No. You need to put your arm on. You need to protect your mind. You need to protect yourself. So verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? With truth. And what did we determine to be true? The word of God to be true. Girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is right standing. Right standing with God. How did you get in position of right standing with God? You can only get in a position of right standing with God through Jesus Christ. That's right. There's no other way. There's no other way for right standing except through Jesus. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we go in peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith for which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Cover your head. The helmet of salvation. Knowing that you are saved. That's the helmet that we have on our head. And the sword of the spirit. Which is what? The word of God. Praying. What? We got to read our word and we also have to do what? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So it's prayer and reading your Bible. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we understand that we have to put the word of God in us. If we don't put it in us, how do we expect to win this battle? How are we going to win it? You can't win it. You're defeated. And the enemy knows that. And, and remember, you can't just align yourself with anybody. Anybody. You can't align yourself with anybody. I was just telling my daughter about that. I had a friend that I, 
all of a sudden we, we broke apart and I was like so broken by it. I was like, oh my God, this is when I was in my probably, I don't know, probably 20s, early 20s and 19. And we broke apart, but that friend ended up getting into trouble. And I'm like, whoa, God, God foresaw that. God knew what was in that friend. So just like that demonstration with Joan, sometimes you you look you hook up with someone, they're gonna pull you into places that you don't want to go. And you have to be careful. You know, it was only God that helped Jehoshaphat get out of that mess that he got in. But if you continue to read 1 Kings, you will see um, Ahab's son came back and asked the next thing. Hey, will you go to battle with me? You know what Jehoshaphat said? No, uh-uh. <laughs> Experience is the best teacher. He told him, no, I'm not going to battle with you. So you learn. So in the... Before that, he was like, oh, man, your chariot, we, we, I'm your dog, you my dog, we good, we can, take, we can do this, we ride or die. No, <laughs> you don't ride or die with anybody. You know, there are people that you should not be connected with. But I want you to get excited about the word of God. I want you to know that it's okay to read your Bible and, and, and enjoy reading the Bible. Now, how do we balance? Because we got to live on this earth. You can't just sit and read your Bible 24-7. No, I got to go to work. You know, and, but you have to have balance with this. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added unto it. You seek the kingdom of heaven first. And then, you have to go to work. Yes, but in your leisure time, there's nothing wrong with spending time with God. Can you play video games? Yes, you can play video games in moderation. In moderation, in moderation, you can play video games. I think I left this paper. I had a paper that talked about um, screen time for children. And if you need to see it, I'll let you know. And I pulled it up, and it talked about how much time should be allotted. So you can go on there, but not excessive amount. And as I was telling my husband, there's also evidence that shows not to do screen time late at night. That that blue light does affect your sleep. So he was like, ah, but it does. I, I believe them. So we should not be all the time in front of that screen like that. You need to have breaks. You need to have times of breaks. And amen. To God be the glory. Amen. And thank you for, you know, listening and participating. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 amen.